But uh, yeah, um, so PIPA uh, is uh, the acronym for its PIPA. So if you ever see this coming up in conversation, PIPA is the Property Investment Professionals of Australia. They had a survey of 800 of their members showing that a fifth of those are unable to finance at an amount they could previously borrow. So the two highest concerns for those 800 investors that were surveyed were the current economic conditions and getting access to lending. So Mm -hmm. um, a a similar proportion was surveyed to last year that said, so 22% of those investors were unable to refinance their homes for an amount that they could previously borrow. I just wondered Mm -hmm. if you could sort of explain what these uh, statistics mean, what they're showing. Yeah, cool. So I think Pippa did a survey recently because um, one of one of the guys, now Steve, who we deal with, he's a Pippa member. And, uh, you know, a couple of buyers agents, we deal with the Pippa members as well. And they asked a range of questions from people um, and people might have seen a stat that uh, most most investors think it's a good time to still still a good time to invest and a lot of people say that they think Queensland's a place to invest in but right so obviously as part of obviously as part of the survey they asked them a range of things now at any one time um you know banks policies and the appetite for lending and all that sort of stuff uh changes at the moment you know, probably 60% of the of the of the population is in some sort of lockdown. Um, you know, people may be on job saver payments from the state or federal government. Um, if they're in business, they mightn't be earning any money at the moment. So at the moment, it is probably harder for some people to get to get finance. Um, for investors, you know, the main thing that um, impacts their ability to get finances, valuations, income, of course, and the assessment rates of banks. And, yeah, if you get a loan at 3%, the bank might assess assess your repayments to be at 6%. That hasn't really changed. There is some um, bit of commentary around at the moment around the number of high debt to income above six and eight ratio loans around. So I... I haven't seen it at all. Like a lot of our investor clients are pretty well, you know, they've got they've got jobs. Uh, they're not full-time property investors. They're not self-employed or the majority of them aren't self-employed. But yeah, we, we sort of haven't seen this. So I imagine you know, 800 people surveyed 22%. That's what about 160 odd. They're saying that... Um, yeah, they're having trouble borrowing. It may be because now they're borrowing on top of what they borrowed last year, so they're actually asking for more money. So, yeah, it's a bit bit hard to tell, but it's not sort of something we've seen. But in yesterday's Fin Review, front page was Josh Frydenberg basically saying to the banks and or the regulators, but also the banks, to just, you know, they'll probably be a bit more focused on um, people that are borrowing a high debt-to-income amount so there's less issue for that with investors because if you've got investment property and you're struggling to make your repayment generally you can sell it they're more worried about that with um owner occupiers because if they get in a strife you know they don't want banks selling people's houses from under them and you know right. making them go rent so okay but um yeah if you know if you're struggling to get finance um talk to you talk to a broker 
because you know, your bank, what, what we find with banks, once you've got three or four properties with the same bank, when you come for the next property, you might think that you're a better risk because you've got some properties with you, with, with them, but the bank may see you as more of a risk because they've, you know, they've, you've got um, you know, three or four properties with them. So, um, yeah, we always say you don't want to tie your properties together. Uh, if you want to stay with the same bank, that's cool, but just make sure the loans are separate. That the, pro the properties are on separate loans. So if you do want to sell one, you can do that, you know, pretty much at your own leisure. Another interesting stat um, we're going to talk about today. So CoreLogic data, they reported that uh, 598,000 house and unit sales occurred in August. So it's the, actually the highest number of sales since 2004. The number was 31% above the decade average and 24% higher than the 20-year average. Um, every state except Tasmania saw a 10% lift in its year-on-year -year home sales as well. Um, and house part of this too is house prices have risen 18.4% over the year to June based on a REIA Insights report. So I guess partly like to take note of is uh, news we see during the week about how the property market's going. Melbourne and Canberra haven't performed as well as Sydney have. Sydney have been able to maintain some, some amount of normalcy in the market because they have allowed for in-person inspections to go ahead rather than in Melbourne. So a lot uh, Melbourne and Canberra have restrictions on in-person inspections, which means that a lot of people are just going to wait and just not, not bother trying to buy a house right now, um, which is sort of why Melbourne and, and Canberra had quite uh, subdued property market performance over the last month or two since the lockdowns have been implemented over there. So I just wondered what your thoughts were on the news about, especially the that figure that it's the highest since 2004, the amount of houses and units sold in August is pretty, it's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so with, with that figure 598,000, I'm pretty sure that's for the year to the end of August. Right. Okay. Talking about annual, annual sales. It's not, not a monthly figure, but it's still heaps. And look, I think, We've sort of talked over the last year and a half about what are some of the drivers um, for the increased demand for property. And, you know, when there's stuff around, you know, people saying, oh, they can't get in the houses and, you know, everyone's crying in their soup and all this sort of stuff, the fact is there's been a record number of sales. And as you, as you said, it's 31% above the decade average, 24% higher than the 20-year average. So the fact the people complaining saying they can't buy a property is not actually right because we're getting 31% more sales through the door. So, you know, it's probably the people who we've, we've got some clients and other brokers I talk to have got clients who say they can't find a property. And the main reason they can't find a property is because they still think they can get the property that they could get a year or two ago. So if they're approved for 600 grand, if you're approved for 600 grand, you've got to look at properties up to 500 grand because most agents from what we see, the price um, the price guide is very rarely met from what we're seeing. We're mm. seeing that if a, if a property goes on the market for 480 to 520, it's going for high fives to low sixes. And no, no one's doing anything about it from what I can see. But um, so I think, um, yeah, 
there's there's genuine lack of supply because a lot of people are thinking, you know, even though it is a really good time to sell, if you do sell, well, you've you've got to buy another place. So mm. if you're if you're if you're selling in Blacktown and buying another another place in Blacktown, you might get a record record price for your property, but then you're still buying in a hot market. So yeah, you know, some people are just going, look, we just couldn't be bothered because you know, you, by the time you pay the agent and the costs of about three percent, and then you pay steam duty of three or four percent on um, the new place. Mm. You know, if your if your new places, if you sell your place for seven hundred and buy a new place for a million dollars, you're out of pocket. 80 90 grand so yeah you might as well just stay you might as well just stay put and buy a couple of For sure. properties yeah so um yeah but yeah, yeah so i think it's not it's not surprising you know we've had um 62 billion dollars of money not spent on overseas travel and a lot of people have bought property we've had heaps of yeah the property boom we've had in the last year has been driven by first home buyers so yeah investors are are coming back but you know this time, say March to around you know, September, October last year, a lot of investors pulled back because there was you know, rental moratoriums and all this sort of stuff, which was going to impact their ability to um, charge rent. So that sort of scared a lot of people off. But now they're back. And But, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how we go with, um, with the sort of more focus from the regulators and the banks on, um, you know, because APRA, the Reserve Bank, um, and even the lenders have sort of been, you know, signalling that there's a bit of concern about how overheated the property market is. So at the moment, really, people have to be um, pretty just careful of what they're doing. For sure. And uh, another thing we we're going to chat about was in- interstate migration. So Queens uh, interstate migration into Queensland hit its highest level in 15 years. The net population yeah. inflow was more than 30,000 new people. Uh, which again, this is an annual figure. It hasn't been as high as that since 2005. Do you know why it was high in 2005? Was there a, a big boom of people moving to Queensland back then? Yeah, usually, and this is something that John Lindeman, one of the guys we you know, refer people to for property research, I'm reasonably sure that in 2003, 2004, Sydney had a big property boom in Melbourne also. And what you find is when the Sydney house market booms, a lot of people sell their places and move to Queensland. Like it's been one of these, those things that's happened all the, yeah, yeah, basically since, you know, people could, is that a lot of people would, you know, they might've had a house in Stratfield or Turak or something worth $2 million. And they can sell that, they can sell that property, um, buy something in Queensland for a third of the price and then still um, you, get, you get better weather. You know, you've got to put up with Queenslanders during the start of origin, I suppose, which is a bit of a downer. But you, then you've got, um, you know, you've got more money in your back pocket, especially if, you know, you're, you're retired and you're asset rich and cash poor. So it's sort of always happened that people have you know, always moved to Queensland. Mm. Um, you know, good lifestyle, especially now during COVID, you know, the Premier, the Queen Anastasia was on the telly the other night and she said, um, you know, about the Queensland lockdowns and she said, you know, we're trying to protect our freedoms. She said New South Wales and Victoria, they're trying to get their freedoms back. So I think you'll find that's driving a lot of this over the last year anyway has been there, how well they've 
not whether it's good luck or good management, but they've they've managed the COVID outbreak very well. Yeah. Um, Heron Todd White do a monthly review report. So their review report for August 2021 noted that renovation had become a really popular uh, trend. Obviously, uh, back at the start of COVID, uh, the the lineup to go to Bunnings was usually pretty intense because yeah. a lot of yeah. people were staying at home basically most of their time. A lot of people had reason to want to renovate. Uh, maybe they found things in their home that they wanted to fix up. So renovation became a big thing. Uh, I talked yeah. to Kate Hill about this and she was saying yeah. the same thing, that renovation has become such a big thing, but it's important to keep in mind why you're doing the renovation. And I thought that was something yeah. we could quickly touch on. So um, yeah. I just wanted your thoughts maybe on, not advice, what sort of thoughts would you give to any customers of ours who were looking to renovate something and, you know, what, whether they should consider certain renovations over others and things like that. Yeah. So I think there's two parts to this. One is, are you living in the property or is the property being rented? So if the property is being rented, um, you, you, you want to make sort of cosmetic renovations, you know, things that make it more comfortable for the tenant. So that don't cost a lot of money. Um, if you're living in the property, it's why are you renovating? Are you renovating because you want to add to your enjoyment of the property or and or are you renovating to increase its value and saleability? So, um, so for example, you know, if you say, say pools, pools cost quite a lot of money and generally from what I'm seeing and told, you don't normally get your money back on a sale price because there's plenty of people when they buy a house that don't want a pool. Um, whereas things like improving the street appeal, you know, internal and external painting, flooring, updating the kitchen and bathrooms, those sorts of things, mm. adding bedrooms, um, adding separate living areas, that sort of stuff, are usually things that will add value. So the main thing for people is to make sure you get some get some quotes from a few different people that you get your finance locked in before you start. Um, at the moment, yeah, you know, we're we've managed to help a few people where the renovation, where they've got cash from their loan, um, refinance to a cheaper lender, or we've got them a better deal with their existing lender, and mm. they've managed to be able to get the money for the reno, and the new loan repayment is less than what they're on now. So. You can actually do that. But I suppose the thing is, as you, as you said, what's the end game? Is the end game to improve value to sell? Is it to improve your enjoyment of the property? You know, what are okay. you doing it for? Because so have, the, have, the have the end game, have the end game in mind when you're getting something done. Like if it's for if you're never gonna sell the place, if you want to, mm. if you want a home cinema, go for your life. But if you're yeah. if you're maybe gonna leave in two or three years the consideration that has to be kept in mind that, okay, I want to renovate something, but I'm selling this place in three or four years because we're going to have kids or whatever. Keep that in mm -hmm. mind. Don't get, don't do a renovation. That's going to sort of, um, it's going to make, yeah. And a lot of people might not even look at your property when they want to buy, when it comes on the yeah. market because of a certain renovation, they just don't care for. Yeah. So yeah. And a good example is a cinema room. Um, yeah, or a Zoom room. Um, if you can, if you can 
you know, do that to your property, but also make it so that if someone coming in to buy it later down the track who doesn't want to use that can easily turn it into a bedroom, happy days. You know, if you want a bar area and you want to plumb in, you know, bars and taps and all this sort of stuff, yeah, the people coming into that property, 10% of them might be interested in that. But if it's just a room that they can take stuff out of and turn it into another room, nursery, bedroom, study, that sort of thing, you just want to give yourself, you know, you want to be, you know, reasonably flexible on it. Mm. Um, the Commonwealth Bank released um, some quarterly data for June with the Regional Australia Institute, and they basically mm -hmm. summarised and figured, uh, reported on the number of people moving out of the capital cities to regional areas compared to the same time last year. Uh, it revealed yeah. an 11% rise on the amount of people leaving capital cities since last year, and the, the local government areas that uh, had the highest uh, level of like regional migration, I guess you'd call it, were within three hours yep. drive from Melbourne. So mm -hmm. five of the LGA areas, the local government areas within a three hour drive recorded at least a 47% lift in like the population. So I just wondered, yep. do you think uh, these stats aren't exactly a surprise because they've been reported. It's been reported that people were getting out of the capital cities for the last 18 months. So that's not a surprise. Yep. What I'm keen to, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to this and I wondered what your thoughts might be. The government's got this idea in their head that uh, international travel is going to open up at, by Christmas. I feel like mm -hmm. that's a little optimistic. Yeah. Um, but do you see the regional areas remaining quite popular once COVID sort of dies off and we, we, we sort of return to some sort of normalcy in the cities and there's not these crazy, you know, lo lockdowns that we're going through right now. Do you think that the yeah. regional areas are going to continue to be popular or do you think people are going to move back? I think, I think people are probably going to move back. Only because mm. I think once we do open up and people get vaccinated and all that sort of stuff, um, at the start of the pandemic in the UK, the health guy got up and said, unless we lock down, there could be up to 200 people a, die, people a day die due to COVID. Um, fast forward 18 months to now, they are opened up. They're out of lockdown. They're in lockdown for months. They're out of lockdown. Over 200 people are dying every day. No one cares. So I think once we open up, it just depends on, you know, I think like Melbourne is the most locked down city in the world now yep. and i think we've got to the point where it's either we stay locked down forever or we just face this thing and so i think what will happen is we will open up the number of cases will go through the roof um there'll be lots more people dying but it'll be people going well it's either that or we lock down again now Melbourne's had record number of cases today, I think, from what I heard on the radio. Um, New South Wales cases are around about the 1,000 mark. The majority of people dying are either got underlying health conditions or they're unvaccinated. So you're not going to be able to stop that. So, But I think, I think it's from the point of view um, we're seeing at the moment that there's some pretty good bargains, especially around Melbourne, for apartments. And I think, you know, 
eventually people will start buying those things again and people you know once we open in i i actually think we will open in national travel by christmas because i think it's to the point now that we can't afford to keep industry shut so i just think we'll bite the bullet and um you know the politicians have been pretty consistent by saying as soon as we get 70 percent double vax we're going to do things 80 percent do things and 90 percent do things so yeah, I just think it's going to be quite interesting. But to get back to your point, I still think there'll be people moving out of the city for affordability and because they can work from home. But I think generally people will move back to the cities. Mm. Only time will tell, I guess. Well, speaking of yeah. apartments, this all this one is the last one I've got for you, Dave. So apartment yep. supply data is showing continued signs of slowing. Delays are being experienced. Obviously, we talked about this before. Land costs are going up. Building costs are going up. And it's very difficult for, well, not very difficult, but property developers already might have some issues with lending and getting their funding yeah. from a lender. Um, so it's getting worse now. And there's a lot of pre-sale demand that's not very high anymore. Um, yeah. The Melbourne market especially has suffered due to border closures. There's a bit of a cladding crisis, which is um, a building material thing. I don't want to, let's not go into that. The global shortage of construction materials, tightening planning requirements and widespread issues with building defects. Um, part mm. of the article that we're covering off this was interesting. They said off the record, a developer said a number of high profile residential developments had that had been marketed strongly overseas have now been heavily discounted. So they're probably struggling to get rid of their stock. Um, I wonder whether you think the demand for apartments is just changing with COVID, uh, COVID being a thing, or do you think that, 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 again, sort of like what you just said, right, that the demand for apartments has dropped, but you see it coming back once international travel returns? Yeah, and, and also, like, when demand drops, prices go down. So, you know, you might have people who are approved or looking at a place around the 500,000 mark in you know, Sydney or Melbourne, and, you know, that doesn't really buy you much. Um, you know, as they're doing their searches, more apartments come, you know, they get to see more apartments because they're falling into their price range. And in the end, it's, well, do we keep renting or do we buy the bullet and buy an apartment? You know, mm. for some people, you'd be better off like Goose McGrath, who has been on your podcast a couple of times, you know, tells a story about how he rents, he and uh, Gabby rent in Bondi because they pay 500 a week rent. And if they had a mortgage, it'd be 1,000 a week. So for some people, rent vesting makes eminent sense. Um, they may never buy a house to live in. Um, you just never know. Um, but I think it's it's supply and demand and it's price driven. Um, there'll be some people that will never want to live in an apartment because if if you're in an apartment complex of 50 people, um, there's 49 other residents you've got to worry about getting COVID because if one of them does, you're all locked in for you. Sorry, you could be locked down. Whether we're going to have, you know, they're talking about once we come out of lockdowns that we won't have big lockdowns there'll be specific like lockdowns they might lock down like they've just locked down up our way musclebrook and Port Macquarie. they might do that they might lock down geelong they might lock down launceston um you know they might lock down the gold coast but i just think um this thing with apartments it, it has been going on forever where there's usually lots of apartment approvals they try and sell large amounts of them off the plan to get development finance um, 
and then um, we, yeah, then demand drops off, prices fall, and then the rest of them get sold. So that's sort of how it all works. Was there anything else you wanted to cover uh, before we got out of here for this one? Well, I just um, for people, we've just put out our latest newsletter, which has got some really good info in it on uh, what's happening with the Reserve Bank and interest rates. Um, you know, the Reserve Bank maintains they're not going to put up interest rates till 2024. Um, that's not to say the banks won't put up interest rates, and some of them have put up their three and four year fixed rates. Um, we've got some good info there from a new a new person we're dealing with who specialises in, in in sort of more budget investment properties around the, you know, two to 250 mark. So that sort of, you know, might be of interest to people. And um, we've got a great quiz as well. So we'll post the link on our Facebook page. And if people are interested, they can um, take a look. Uh, if you want to check out our website, it's moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. We've got a bunch of calculators on there uh, that you, you know, feel free to try those out. Uh, I'll put the links to our Instagrams uh, in the bio. If you want to check those out and follow us, we put on some some good stuff on those as well. You happy with that, Dave? Yeah, cool. No worries.